Hey there, and welcome to the Food as Medicine show with Dr. Ann, the place to be for real talk with real people and real results so you can heal yourself naturally. I'm your host, Dr. Ann, and I'm a board-certified pharmacist and health coach specializing in treating cholesterol without medications. You can learn more about me at drann.com, spelled A-N-H as in healthy. I hope you had a great weekend. I spent my Friday evening taking a four-mile walk to Atwater Park in Sherwood, Wisconsin, and they have a beautiful sandy beach there with a tiny little boardwalk and playground, and the swings on the playground are made of these little discs that look like shallow bowls, but they're definitely not for standing on because as soon as I tried to stand on them, I fell off the swing onto the sand. And my back still hurts from the fall today. But it was really nice to spend some time, you know, relaxing on the beach. After I walked back from the beach, I watched the Moldy Movie by Dave Asprey. And for those of you on the VIP email list, I hope you enjoyed this free movie screening. You know, I only shared with the people who are on the email list who signed up at drann.com. And it was really eye-opening for me to learn that 50% of the buildings in the United States have water damage, which can lead to mold problems, and that almost a third of the U.S. population has a genetic predisposition to being affected by toxic mold. And on top of that, even if you have the toxic mold removed from your home, if you're keeping any of the furniture, clothing, or books that were in your home, you're still taking the mold problem with you because the spores still live in those objects. And if you've missed episode 31 of this show, make sure you go back and listen because in that episode, I chat with Dr. Lori Arnold, who shares exactly what she did to heal herself from toxic mold. And I have to say that's definitely one of the benefits of being on the Food as Medicine VIP email list. If you're not already, make sure you go to drand.com and sign up because I share all the awesome uh, movie screenings, online events, and other goodies that I hear about as soon as I become aware of them. So um, if you're on the list, make sure you go to drann.com and put in your name and email so you don't miss any of the exclusive updates from me that I don't share anywhere else. And I definitely know what it's like to get too much email, so I only send something when I have something really exciting to share. A big shout out to Vicki Kimpton, who is a listener who suggested I have today's speaker on the show. And I know many of you struggle with finding the time to make healthy meals for yourself and your family, so today's guest shares how she's able to do that as a busy mom of three. Now, before we get to the episode, I want to let you know that the opinions expressed on the show may not represent my opinions, and the show is for general information only, not a substitute for medical care. So prior to beginning any new health program, I recommend that you consult with a qualified health professional. In today's episode, I chat with Stephanie O'Day. Stephanie is a New York Times bestselling author, slow cooking expert, founder of A Year of Slow Cooking, and a busy mom of three. In today's show, Stephanie and I chat about how her daughter was diagnosed with celiac disease, and how she teaches her daughter to eat safely outside of the home, tips to help your celiac child grow up with the same experiences as other kids, what app you can use to find gluten-friendly restaurants near you while traveling, how to cook chicken breasts in the crock pot so they are not dry, tips for how to easily clean your crock pot, whether cooking raw meat in crock pots provides a breeding ground for bacteria, and much more. All right, let's go chat with Stephanie. Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Ann with the Food as Medicine show, and welcome to a new episode. I'm so excited to have Stephanie O'Day on the show. She is the crockpot lady. 
the author of numerous um, New York Times bestsellers, and she's got a great book on how to be a mommy blogger. She's got some awesome recipes for those who are going gluten-free, and I'm just really excited to pick her brain because, you know, she started on this journey, um, one, because she wanted to do um, a crockpot recipe a day, and then it really exploded, and then she also discovered that her daughter was a celiac, so then that put her on another journey as well, and so she's here to share um, um, that journey and that story as well. So I'm so honored to have her on the show. Welcome, Stephanie. Thank you for having me. I'm really happy to be here. Thank you. Well, um, I kind of gave the audience a little bit of an introduction about you, but can you give us um, kind of your version of how you got here and, and what you do? Sure. Um, and maybe why you do it. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. So we're in 2015 and gluten intolerance is very prevalent now and everywhere you turn, there's a new product on the market or a different late night TV show host making fun of it. Um, <laughs> but when my daughter was first diagnosed, it was in 2006. And what had happened was we um, had been living in the Central Valley of California and moved back to the San Francisco Bay Area. And it's expensive here. So um, I went back to work and um, I was lucky that the kids could come to work with me. I was teaching preschool, but the baby kept getting sick. She was vomiting and I couldn't get it to stop. I figured it was daycare germs. So I quit. And um, that's not good because then I had no money. <laughs> but, but anyway, so so after, after some testing and some realizing that it's not the daycare germs, there's something else going on, we met with a specialist and we found out immediately that she had celiac. And um, the mm. second that she went gluten-free, she's never been sick since. She's just, every once in a while, she will get glutenized. And her particular reaction is immediate, like, projectile vomiting within 30 mm. to 60. So it's pretty obvious when she's gotten glutenized. Um, and so we just decided she was 22 months at the time. She's 10 now that mm. it would be safer for our family to just have the entire house gluten-free. This way she could go through the fridge, go through the pantry, eat what she wants, when she wants. And so I began cooking gluten-free and, and trying to get my hands on anything I could come across. But again, this was late 2006, so it, um, it was a hardship. I, I, it was a lot of trial and error and mixing flowers on my own and, and trying to figure out. And really what sort of saved me was the crock pot and realizing I'm, I'm gonna have to cook from scratch. So my regular recipes are no more, uh, no more hamburger helper, no more uh, processed food. I've gotta mm -hmm. cook from scratch. And really, there's no easier way to cook from scratch than to dump it all in the pot, push a button, and walk away. And so that's what we did. And then, so there's that half. And then the blog half really just started that I needed to find a legitimate way to work from home because I was home with the kids now. And, um, and I've always liked writing. And so I wanted to try my hand at blogging. And so the, uh, the idea of the crock pot really just came about is that after some, some major Googling uh, or <laughs> search engineering or whatever, although we're in Google Hangouts, so I guess we can, we can brand Google. it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, that recipe sites um, were highly targeted in SEO, which is search engine optimization. And so what you're doing then is you're giving the Googler what they're Googling. So if you're Googling chicken recipes, 
that's how a food blog ended up coming up. And so I was just kind of joking with my husband right last night, or um, excuse me, the, um, this was, I guess, the back, the end of 2007. So I was joking, like, well, I don't know how to cook. I just know how to use my crock pot. <laughs> and it just sort of came in that. And then, so in the, in the beginning, I kept the gluten-free stuff off the site. I, I didn't want to pigeonhole myself too much. And, um, and still, the majority of my readers are not gluten-free. Um, they just come hmm. for the crockpot recipes. So I try and keep my notes in the parentheses. But I'm realizing more and more that there's an awful lot of reasons now that, that people choose to give up gluten. And I'm happy to be of help in, in any way and just kind of share what I've learned along the way and uh, what not to waste your money on because <laughs> there's some pretty gross products out there. Yeah. I've tried some really, really gross branded gluten-free products before I, I found some that I liked. So, <laughs> Yes, yes. And, and thankfully, um, some of the larger manufacturers are now making their own versions. So it's not quite as expensive as in the beginning. In the beginning, our grocery bill quadrupled easily. Mm. Um, and now we're, we're kind of we're back on par with what the typical suburban family spends on groceries. So when you say a quadruple, Jimmy, was that because you're buying things that were labeled as gluten-free? Yes. So so pasta, crackers, mm -hmm. bread, baked items. Um, in, in the grocery store, they were three to four times the price. Manufacturers had no problem with charging mm -hmm. $7 for a loaf of bread. The right. bread prices in particular are still, in my opinion, high. Um, it's about $4.50 to, to $5.50. Um, for a loaf of bread, which the bread is really small too. So, <laughs> so since we have three kids in the house I and mean, we go through a loaf of bread and a bunch of bananas a day. So mm -hmm. um, that's just what happens. So really in the very beginning, I learned um, the basics and to shop in the perimeter of the mm -hmm. grocery store and eat whole foods, which really as, as you know, with your with your food is medicine show, that's kind of the way we should all be eating. If it doesn't have a label and it's an apple and it, you don't need an ingredient list, it's, it's also gluten-free. It's <laughs> gluten-free, exactly, yeah. So do you find yourself buying a lot of those um, prepackaged foods anymore it's now that you said your um, food bill has kind of leveled off or, or it's just that the prices have come down? The, the prices have come down and I like to try new things. I like to support companies who are serving the gluten-free marketplace. Um, mm -hmm. So I'm lucky in that I do have manufacturers send me product to try. Um, some of the product isn't very good, so I don't write about that. <laughs> but uh, but the, the, the ones that I really do like, I do like to share with my audience and, and do support the companies. And... Um, you know, what's, what's really funny is before we had um, a gluten intolerance, I probably would never have bought corn dogs. But now that Foster Farms has a gluten-free variety, I totally bought them. And they're delicious. <laughs> and, but mostly it's just that I, I want my kids to have that sort of typical American. I, I want them to know what it tastes like. And, and I appreciate that. I appreciate that Freshetta and some of these name brand pizza frozen pizzas have a gluten-free um a gluten-free batch so yeah sure so it sounds like you you do a lot of um kind of from scratch cooking but every so often the convenience foods are really helpful as well 
Absolutely. Absolutely. I don't, I, um, one of my concerns with these kids and feeding them is I want them to have the taste of everything. So mm-hmm. when they're out of the home, they don't just start binging on, I don't know, what do kids binge on? Pizza, beer, and Pizza. Captain Crunch cereal. So- <laughs> Everything I mean, I think, they should I think not everybody, do. Yeah, everybody gets through that a little bit in college, but if, it, if there's can be some sort of balance. <laughs> yeah. Well, so that was my next question is how do you teach your daughter now to know when she's outside of the home how to eat safely? She does a very good job of not eating anything that she hasn't already eaten before. Um, because again, she's only 10. So um, she will read labels. Um, she will order in a restaurant if we've already been in that restaurant and she knows specifically how to order, but because she's still so young, she hasn't really needed to venture out on her own. Um, Mm -hmm. camp situations, um, where I'm not right there, uh, make me nervous. (laughs) So, um, uh, one of the good news for me is is that since I work from home I I can chaperone on some of these school trips um but next year there's a pretty big um, trip coming up and and parents aren't invited and that's five days but I've already sort of researched the camp and and know that they have Udi's bread in the freezer and that kind of thing and so I think it's just doing due diligence um for school Mm -hmm. parties um since I'm pretty active in the school most parents know what the deal is and it's it's just beyond touching to me on Halloween or, or Valentine's mm-hmm. Day parties that the parents will put together something special just for her because they've started reading labels and they're aware. Um, the teachers do the same thing. They're aware. Um, they'll mm-hmm. go to a specialty bakery and buy her her own single gluten-free cupcake. And it's, um, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's very, very sweet. That said, for birthday parties and for different things, I try to always have um, a slew of frozen things that I can just grab and I've got it in a Ziploc ready to go. So um, unfrosted cupcakes ready to go in a plastic bag, um, brownies, um, different things. If we're going out to a restaurant and I know bread is going to be served on the table, I heat up some um, rolls, some gluten-free rolls. Udi's now has them. Um, the against the grain company makes very good bread and baguettes. And so we'll keep that in the freezer. And so I'll um, heat it up in the oven, wrap it in foil and smuggle it in my purse. Um, <laughs> I bring soy sauce. I, I know I bring soy sauce with me in my purse in a little Tupperware. So when we go out for sushi and um, she's, she sticks to California rolls, um, no fake crab. So, so crab mm. with a K is not gluten-free, but crab with a C is. <laughs> and so just <laughs> trying to teach her those type of things. Um, you can have the rice, you can have the miso soup, you can have the salad. Um, and then I bring um, the soy sauce in a little container. And we've never been questioned in a restaurant ever, ever, ever. Um, some of these school events are pancake breakfasts. And so they'll go to the local pancake house and like 5% goes back. Well, I want us to have that experience, but she obviously can't eat the pancakes. So again, mm-hmm. I heat them up at home and I wrap them in paper towels and foil and I smuggle them in my purse. So that, that's mm-hmm. how we handle it in, in our house. And, and so far, so good. Not quite. Not quite. <laughs> 
You know, that's so funny. When I was bodybuilding, I would do the same thing. You know, I would pack, you know, a, a, a chicken breast, real chicken breast in my bag when I was running errands because I was like, who knows what kind of food I'd be exposed to. And I wanted to make sure I ate good food. Yeah. Yeah. That's very smart of you. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know. Well, it's interesting. So like, like the clean eating that, mm -hmm. that bodybuilders do is naturally gluten-free. Um, mm -hmm. And um, a lot of paleo cooking is naturally gluten-free. And so that would be my recommendation for someone starting and, and they're brand new and feeling overwhelmed. You're totally going to be able to have bread and pasta again. But in the beginning, just shop on the, on the ends, stick, stick to the whole foods without labels, and then um, slowly add things back in. Probably start with brown rice first and then mm -hmm. add the specialty gluten-free pasta after. Um, because there's, there's fillers and, and things like that. You might as well stick to the whole food as long as possible. Yeah, and I was curious, earlier you said every once in a while she'll get glutenized by accident. You know, can you give us some examples of when that happened? Because I've heard some instances instances of that too. Um, and yeah. just so people might be aware so they can be, um, sure. can, they can protect themselves. Sure. So um, do, you, do, I, do I name a name brand restaurant? That is the question. <laughs> so she got glutenized at Chipotle, um, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and I'm not sure how, because uh, mm. she ordered correctly. So mm. it could be something as simple as the serving spoon was mixing back and forth, or the server's gloves had been touching flour tortillas before the corn tortillas. Um, so, so that type of thing. Um, a few other times have been completely my fault where I've believed someone where they said, this is cornbread, like homemade cornbread. And I used cornmeal and mm. uh, that's it. It, does, it doesn't have any flour. It doesn't have any flour, but she obviously something was in there because uh, she vomited pretty quickly. Um, mm. But really, so we're in 2005. She's, uh, it, it's, it's been almost a full nine years and she's really only been glutenized maybe two or three times. Um, and <laughs> unfortunately, every time she doesn't feel good ever, her poor mom starts poking her and I quiz her and I'm like, well, what do you eat? And I'm like, oh, oh, oh. She's like, no, I just have a regular old headache. I'm allowed to have a headache. I'm like, okay. <laughs> well, you worry about her. <laughs> I worry about her, but honestly, I'm, I'm happy the way mm -hmm. she reacts with the immediate vomiting. Um, mm -hmm. it's not, there's things called leaky gut syndrome. So, so what gluten is, is it's the, the protein in the binder found in wheat, barley, and rye. And the way you're fully diagnosed with celiac is actually through an endoscopy. And the doctor goes down and makes sure, um, he, he takes a biopsy of your villi, which are the little fingery things in your small intestine. And, and hers had been flattened. And the little fingery things, and don't laugh at me as a doctor, but the little fingery villi is how um, nutrients are absorbed. And so she didn't necessarily have failure to thrive at two, but she did have a descended belly and she was a little pale and she probably hadn't been growing quite as fast as she could have been. So her villi were damaged and were flattened. So, um, so back to the leaky gut. Some people don't have an immediate reaction the way she does, 
Instead, their villi are just slowly getting damaged over and over again, and they're not aware. And so maybe they will get an upset stomach here or there, or maybe their bowels will be a little funny one day, and they don't really know it's because they were cross-contaminated or, or, or because they have an undiagnosed gluten intolerance. And that is my totally, I am so not a doctor. I don't even <laughs> want to pretend to play one on TV or on the internet. I'm a mom. Because <laughs> you care about your kids. That's why. Yeah. <laughs> oh, perfect. Perfect. And have you, have you heard of the gluten intolerance group? I learned about it recently and they do, um, they have a, a, a directory of restaurants that are certified gluten free. So then that lessens the chance of cross contamination. No. I would like to hear more about that. Um, absolutely, gluten intolerance group. Okay. Mm -hmm. yeah. I, I will say that one of the apps that I have on the smartphone is helpful and it's um, Find Me Gluten Free. And um, in the app store, you just type in Find Me Gluten Free. It's red and it's free. And it will, um, it will know your location and tell you what's close by. And that's helpful when we travel. We like to do road trips and, and camp and, and that kind of thing. So, uh, and it's oh, been that's awesome. Yeah. So then you're not on Yelp all the time trying to plan your route and figure out right. restaurants. Right. Yes. Yeah. No, that, that part's good. And people do write in to the restaurant and say um, that like they'll name the servers, like so-and-so server was really good and he understood what I was talking about. And, and that mm -hmm. thing. I found in general, when we go to restaurants, um, I do my due diligence and always Google ahead of time if it's a brand new place. If we're traveling and there's nothing in the area and we go to a restaurant, we stick to a few standbys, like a loaded baked potato, a Caesar salad, no croutons, um, hamburger, no bun. Um, and we ask if the French fries are breaded in something mm -hmm. or if they have a dedicated fryer. But exactly. But we use, I usually don't use the word gluten unless mm -hmm. the server seems knowledgeable or starts asking questions back. And it's mostly because I found that for the most part, these are college kids just yep. trying to get through the day. Mm -hmm. And it's no skin off of their back if they just say, yes, it has gluten. Yes, yes, nope, nothing's here. You can't have anything, goodbye. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> and that's not helpful to us when we're on the road and we're hungry. So, um, so we stick to those kind of things. Sure. Yeah, those are great tips. Really practical. So um, let's dive into the crock pots and um, the crock pot meals. One of the crock things pot. I, you know, <laughs> I think that's your specialty. Um, so, you know, one of the things I've, I've kind of discovered when I was using them is I really have a hard time with the texture. A lot of my recipes turn out really mushy. Do you have any like tips on how to make the meat non-mushy? Is it because I'm keeping sure. it for too long? <laughs> well, it, it depends on what it is. So um, if you're doing boneless, skinless chicken breasts, with, if, uh, if I understood you correctly, you travel with boneless, skinless chicken breasts. So if that's what it is, <laughs> unfortunately, <laughs> food that doesn't have all that much fat um, will get that sort of mealy texture. So boneless, mm -hmm. um, boneless skinless chicken thighs hold up a lot better and create the texture. One thing with your chicken breasts, what you can do before serving is shred them completely between two forks and then stir it around and let it sit in the sauce for a little bit longer to re-soak up the sauce. It's just that there's hardly any fat at all and so it just sort of dissolves. 
But if you're doing a pulled pork or a pot roast or something like that, that already has a little bit more fat and, and flavor in the meat, you won't, you won't come across that at all. And it's interesting. Um, a lot of people say that crock pot food all tastes alike. And then after some questions, I'm realizing, well, they're adding a packet of Lipton onion soup mix and a can of cream of mushroom soup to everything. And yes, it will all taste alike. That's what happened in the 70s. That's how people cooked. But, but now I really like um, playing around with, um, I call them takeout, fakeout dishes. So like we'll try and recreate a Thai curry or and then play around and then do an Indian curry. Um, and uh, it's fun. One of our favorites is a Korean soft tacos. And we've never eaten off of a Korean taco truck because we can't have it because of the soy sauce. And so I wanted to recreate it at home and it's delicious and uh, much healthier and uh, cheaper. So food trucks are turning like really trendy. So we'll have like a meetup in the area and you get this teeny tiny little plate for $12. And my whole crock pot costs $12 <laughs> the whole meal. So mm -hmm. <laughs> that's not part of I was just in Austin for the Paleo FX conference and there was Torchy's Tacos, like a well-known taco truck. And you were right. It was like $5 a taco. And it was like the size of my oh, hand. Oh, not even a plate, just one taco? Yes. I was yeah. like, oh, this is <laughs> highway robbery. <laughs> it is. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. That's great that's that you create those, you know, that, that experience for your daughter. So she's not missing out on anything. Yeah, well, it's also helpful for just us as a family. I think in general, everyone sort of has the um, kind of the epitome of the American dream and that we're all home at six o'clock and we're going to sit at the table and we're going to eat this family meal and share about our day. But in reality, we've got soccer practice and we've got gymnastics and we've got swimming and we've got homework and there's PTA meetings and my husband coaches the soccer and we work and, and travel. And so if we're not all sitting down at six o'clock, at least we're all eating from the same pot. <laughs> so, exactly. so the crock pot keeps everything warm and, and ready. And, and, but we do end up eating in shifts more often than not. And, um, and it's sort of taken the pressure off of me trying to do everything perfect because it's just, it's not reality right now in our immediate nuclear family to, to all sit down at the same time. Um, the, the baby's five and maybe I should stop calling her a baby, but she's still my baby. Um, <laughs> yeah, sometimes at 4.45 and it's like, I'm not going to not feed her or have her like just eat crackers and string cheese waiting and waiting and waiting for the rest of the people to get I'd rather when she is hungry to fill her with the nutritious dinner than force her to kind of not listen to her body and, and tide herself over. So that's one thing that I think that um, our generation has shifted a bit mm -hmm. it, of listening to our body when, when we're hungry, that means we should eat something. And, but once we're not hungry and we have that, that say, is it satiety? Say, I know how to, I know how to write it. I don't know how to say it. <laughs> it's yeah. Yes. When you have that. <laughs> well, and I love that you mentioned that because I think that's really important. We've gotten, you know, to a point where food is so ever present that we've stopped listening to our bodies and we need to get back to that again because our bodies are very wise and knowing, okay, this is when I'm hungry. This is when I'm full. And then you should just stop when you're full and not 
you know, over overindulge or, you know, overeat. So yeah, yeah, it's, it's interesting, because I'm learning now in restaurants. So there's five of us, we can't order five things that's over ordering. So mm. so what if us either my husband or I won't order, and then we just we we call it batting cleanup. We'll just because because the kid the kids all are picky and want their own thing, and then one of us just that's cleanup, and it works yeah. out well. <laughs> and that's actually that's a great tip because um, otherwise you're gonna be bringing home leftovers all the time, and it's it's excessive. So that's awesome. It, it's yeah, and um, uh, I joke that uh, I'm the CFO of the family, uh, but CFO for me is Chief Frugality Officer. So. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, someone's going to have that job. <laughs> so as far as um, I had mentioned to you earlier that my friend was really excited to have you on the show. One of the questions she wanted me to ask you is, um, you know, when you cook in the crock pot, especially for vegetables, does yes. having it in the crock pot remove any of the nutrients um, at any point or having it in too long remove any of the nutrients that you know of? No, I think that's kind of a myth. And um, especially since the lid is domed, um, all of the steam and the moisture stays right in the pot. So, so nothing's evaporating and mm -hmm. nothing is leaving. Um, many people uh, end up like, if, if you wanted to cook an entire pot of broccoli, you could wash everything and throw it in there. And you don't even really need to add water. You can just squeeze a little bit of lemon, but the moisture just from rinsing it off is plenty. And then you'll notice at the end, you pick it out. And first of all, if you are going to steam broccoli in a crock pot, and you're, uh, what I would do is rinse it off, put it in, squeeze lemon, and cook it on high for about an hour, and that's it, or on low for about an hour and a half, two hours. Many questions come up like, well, can't I just do it on the stove? Yes. You totally can do it on the stove. The reason I like to use the crock pot is because I have like mommy ADHD. And so I wander <laughs> away. I wander away. I go give somebody a bath. I take the garbage cans out. I start talking to my neighbor. And all of a sudden, whatever I left on the stove is burnt to a crisp. And so, and so that, that's why I like, like the wiggle room. But, but when you remove the broccoli, the same way you would in a stovetop pan, you'll see the, the green liquid at the bottom, which you can... You can drink, um, you can put it in the garden, or you can repurpose it as a soup base. A lot of people pour all of that stuff into a Tupperware and then freeze it. And then at the end, they have a really nice base for some minestrone soup or something like that. That's another great tip. Fabulous. <laughs> I was afraid you were going to say they poured it down the drain. I was like, okay, shut no, no, it. No, no. That's, that's, <laughs> that's liquid what, gold. Yeah. Exactly. That's where all the nutrients are. So. Yeah. And we're in California and we're in this huge drought right now. So we're, we're trying to water with every little thing we've got. Yeah. So the, the kids were like saving the sink water and it has like all this toothpaste and stuff in it. I'm like, oh, oh God, am I not really going to my vegetable garden? I don't know if I want your toothpaste in my vegetable garden. <laughs> It'll have extra fluoride in it. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> so another question um, that a, that my friend had was, when you put things on low, does it create a breeding ground for bacteria, especially if you have raw meat in the crock pot? Th that's a good question. Um, no. So your food has to actually um, actively be either cooking or cooling, and so. The crockpots, the newer ones especially, really get up to the temperature quickly and keep the food there. But that is why I don't recommend using a lamp timer to turn it on. So some people 
plug in the lamp timer and have it to turn on at like 11 or 12 when they go to work. Um, so it's not cooking all day. Instead of doing that, what I would recommend is getting a programmable slow cooker. And you can get a good one for right around $60, $70. And if you'd like, I can um, share a link to the ones that I personally recommend. But yeah. what it does is if you are out of the house at, for work for 12 hours, but your chicken recipe is only going to cook in seven to eight hours, you set it for seven to eight hours, and then it automatically flips over to a warm setting, which keeps your food hot and at a safe temperature until you come home. And that warm temperature will last an additional 12 hours. So if you're stuck in traffic or something like that, you don't need to worry, the food is fine. So, and it's helpful, we, we use it. We think, oh, okay, we're gonna come home on a Sunday and have brunch, and then all of a sudden things come up and, and we're home three or four hours later but the food is still safe and ready to go. Sure. I've had that where I've I'm like, oh, I'll be, I'll be home at five and it's like 10 yeah. o'clock and the crock pot's yeah. still running. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And if it's not a programmable and you're making something like lasagna or something baked, it's just all baked around the sides. Oh, I have a really good tip. If for some reason you make lasagna or some sort of baked dish and it's really stuck, soak it overnight in hot water with a dryer sheet and in the morning, it just wipes right on out because the, the fabric softener from the dryer sheet really does work and loosen it overnight. So we, we do that a lot. We do. My, my husband is the cleanup crew, and sometimes he's not very prompt. That's okay. <laughs> well, that's we'll fair. <laughs> you do the cleaning. He does the cleaning, right? <laughs> so one of the things I, you know, I like to do more of is um, give people examples of some really easy recipes for them to, you know, go to recipes if they've only got like 20 minutes. So off sure. the top of your head, are you, do you have any of your favorites that you want to share? Sure. I think the, the easiest way to slow cook in the beginning is to lazy cook, which truly is you plop your food into the pot and you add your favorite sauce and walk away. You can fancy it up by adding some diced onion or vegetables, but really just allowing the food to cook in your favorite jarred sauce. And so pasta sauce, bottled barbecue sauce, they have all these different simmer sauces on the market right now. So if you wanted chicken marsala or, or a tiki curry, you can mm -hmm. add that. Um, Trader Joe's has a lot of simmer sauces and then um, we're close to Safeway. Safeway has them too. But what's nice is you, you plop in your frozen roast and an entire bottle of barbecue sauce and you come home at the end and just shred it between two forks and you can have it over brown rice, over baked potatoes, over pasta if you're if you're doing pasta sauce and um, so it's it's just a really foolproof easy way to slow cook that anybody can do i have college kids who um who are bringing crock pots to their dorms and and they're cooking in their dorms so they bring their crock pot and a rice cooker and it keeps them from the 15 what was it the freshman 15, the freshman 15. <laughs> they're, they're eating they're eating healthier food in their room and saving money so mm. yeah Oh, that's that, so great. That yeah. Is the, yeah, an economical way um, to serve a lot of people. So, so back to like a, a pork roast with a bottle of barbecue sauce. That's an under $10 meal. And if you shred it and serve it in sandwiches, you, you can feed the whole household when they're over for the football games and, and that kind of stuff in a really economic way. Have them pick up the beer. It's fine. <laughs> That's the highest cost anyway. So <laughs> <laughs> always outsource alcohol. <laughs> I like how you think. I like how you think. 
So I know um, you had mentioned uh, in our communication that you have a new search engine for people who oh. are looking for gluten-free recipes. Do you mind sharing sure. that? Sure. So um, I started glutenfreesearchengine.com. So it's all one word and uh, we can link to it. But what had happened is my 10-year-old, she likes to bake. And so she watches these like cupcake competitions on the Food Network. But obviously, that flour mixture is not gluten-free. So she starts Googling one day, tasty frosted vanilla cupcakes. And it was not an appropriate site. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, I see. <laughs> so, um, so my friend Jeanette is a web designer. So she helped me. And so the, the sites, it, it's a custom search engine, and it's only gluten-free recipes. So you don't even need to type in gluten-free. You can just write cupcakes, vanilla cupcakes, or, or pancakes, or um, Play-Doh. Play-Doh actually isn't gluten-free, so you'd have to make it. Um, but it's just, it, it's, it's a safe way to search. It's completely rated G. And um, <laughs> uh, the, the sites are all um, people that I've known for many years and trust their recipes. And then I also write for the magazine um, Simply Gluten-Free. And so all of the contributors to the Simply Gluten-Free magazine are in that search engine as well. Oh, wow. That's a great idea. Yeah, I was, um, I was playing around with it earlier. And I was looking up lasagna recipes and it pulled up one that used um, corn chips um, or like uh, tortilla chips for lasagna. Okay. I thought that was great. I was like, oh, it's I a really good idea. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, when we were first diagnosed and we would go on road trips and um, we would stick to Fritos at uh, the gas station kind of convenience stores because Fritos are, are gluten free. So now there's an, an awful lot more to choose from. They have kind mm -hmm. bars and all these things that are much healthier than Fritos. But there's something about Fritos when you really want a Frito. <laughs> it satisfies the craving for sure. It does. It does. Yeah. So I want to be respectful of your time, Stephanie. I wanted to kind of finish off with, you know, what are you working on that you're really excited about to share? And how can people find out more about you? Um, my website is stephaniaday.com. And uh, I like Twitter. And I'm on Facebook. And you can kind of catch me whenever and wherever. Um, mostly I'm a mom to my three kids. Uh, they don't really know what I do and that's fine. <laughs> I think there, there was some saying I heard the other day and it's like, you're never a prophet in your own hometown. And I think that's, <laughs> I think that's uh, the truth. Um, I, uh, I have a cookbook coming out in the fall um, and that'll be five ingredients. Um, oh my goodness. That is what we need right now. Yeah. So it, it was nice. It was a challenge to, um, to keep things small and limited. And then again, to keep everything gluten-free. Um, so there's, there's more jars and more like spice mixes in this book than I've done in my other books in order to keep it to the five ingredients. So that was a bit of a challenge. Um, but still no cream of mushroom soup. So there you go. <laughs> Mission accomplished. Mission accomplished. Yeah. That's fantastic. Well, thank you so much, thank Stephanie, you so much. for your time. I've learned a ton and you've given us some great tips, practical tips that we can take back and, and implement in our lives right away. I've had a lot of fun. Oh, one other thing is I did do um, an ebook. I'm titling it Going Gluten-Free Without Going Crazy. And my goal was to put it up on Amazon for free, but Amazon seems to want to make money. So you can't put it on for free. It can only be 99 cents or something. That said, I would love to offer it to your listeners for free. And at mm -hmm. any time, they can email me at um, contact 
at stephanieoday.com or through the website and ask for the gluten-free book. Feel free to share it with everyone, whomever. Oh my gosh, that's really kind of you. You know, I, I'm sure you spent a lot of time on that. Um, so I'm really grateful and I'm sure our listeners will be really thankful for that as well. So thank you for sharing that. I'm happy to help. It was it was a challenge when we were first diagnosed and, um, and I was very lucky to have some some really good friends who held my hand through it. And I'd love to be able to to help your listeners in any way I can. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. It was, it's been a pleasure and um, I look forward to speaking with you again soon. Absolutely. Hey, so I hope you enjoyed the show. That was Stephanie O'Day from stephanieoday.com and all the links and resources mentioned today are in the show notes at dranne.com slash zero three two. And Anne is spelled A-N-H as in healthy. And while you're there, remember to hop on the Food as Medicine VIP email list and you'll get my free gift. It's called the Clean Eating Rules, and it's everything that I learned about nutrition when I was on my bodybuilding journey, and it's my number one guide for how to eat to lose weight, improve your biometrics, and get more energy. You'll also get all my favorite pearls from the show. And this show can be a bit technical and have lots of details about what foods to eat, what foods to avoid, what supplements to take, etc., And if you're anything like me, you're probably uh, multitasking, you know, driving or walking the dog or running some errands while you're listening to the show. So you really aren't in a position to be jotting down notes of all the great information that's shared in the episode. So I've taken all the notes for you. And by hopping on my email list at drann.com, you'll get the show pearls delivered right to your inbox so you can refer back to them at any time. And finally, as a VIP email subscriber, you'll get the occasional love letters from me, which are emails sharing some of my favorite recipes and products, upcoming events, new information I've learned, and other goodies. And these are things that I don't share with anybody else anywhere on the website or on the podcast, only exclusive to the email subscribers. So make sure you go to drann.com and enter your name and email address. Did you like this episode? Then remember to subscribe and leave us a review. This will really help us with the iTunes rankings and help more people find the show. Remember to tell all your friends because we need more people to hear the food as medicine message. We've got plenty of great guests coming up, so stay tuned. Thanks so much for stopping by. And until next time, remember to eat consciously because the world needs a healthy and vibrant you. 